0: Our scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew in the second chapter. We begin at verse 1. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And entering the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, They left for their own country by another road. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. God's word tells us that God is light. And in God there is no darkness at all. The psalmist testifies, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And for with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. Our favorite verses seem to be full of this theme of light. The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who've lived in a land of deep darkness on them, light has shined. Or how about Jesus' own words? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In the darkness of sin and doubt, pain and injustice, Matthew tells us that the mogi in Greek translated wise men in our lesson today went searching for light. A light in the heavens sent them on a journey to Judea. There is some mystery surrounding these wise men. They weren't just wise men. They were students of the stars. And there were some things that we know about them and then other things we don't know. In fact, we don't know how many there were. There could have been three or ten or thirty. We just don't know. But we do know that they brought three types of gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. We don't know their names, even though their traditional names are Melchior and Balthazar and Gaspar. Some reports say that one was from Ethiopia, another from India, and one was Greek. But none of this is reported in Scripture. We do know that in spite of the words of the Christmas carol, the first Noel, that the wise men came from the east, the star wasn't in the East ahead of them. And so there are many possibilities in the East from where these wise men came. Babylon, Persia, the Arabian Desert, and and far beyond. But we know that these wise men were prominent, high-ranking officials with power and with influence, well-respected in their roles in both religion and politics in their own lands. Their prominence is evident in the wealth that they brought with them, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And while we don't know how far they traveled, maybe hundreds, maybe a thousand miles, we know that they followed a star in search for the new king of the Jews. Balaam in Numbers chapter 24 prophesies about a king who would be associated with a star and who would rule over Israel and deliver God's people from their enemies. The light, this light has been prophesied in in Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Nations shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your dawn. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. When the Magi arrived in Jerusalem, they asked a question that sends shockwaves throughout the city. Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. King Herod is notified of their arrival and the reason that they have come and the opposition to God's Messiah officially begins. Matthew tells us when King Herod heard this he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. King Herod, a world leader, is terrified by a baby. But why? Because you see, Herod is on the throne. He's the current king of the Jews. He was a vicious tyrant, a paranoid, and he was ready to use lies and violence against any threat to his power. If ever someone was suspected of plotting against him, he would have them killed. By the time of Jesus' birth, he had already Uh, murdered a wife and three of his sons and certainly many others that he thought were a threat. When Herod hears the Magi with power and influence have come to Jerusalem looking to find a baby born king of the Jews, he is frightened, literally in turmoil and terrified about the one who would usurp his reign. Herod gathers the the chief priests and the scribes together who show surprising indifference to the Magi's claim. What makes this news so very startling and heartbreaking to hear and really a lesson for us all is that the chief priests and the scribes, they know the prophesied location of the Messiah, where the Messiah would be born. God's Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. But their reaction is apathetic at best to the news of this prophesied king of the Jews. Herod pretends kindness, but his intent is murder. He secretly calls the wise men and learns from them the exact time when the star had appeared. And he sends them to Bethlehem. Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I also may go and pay him homage. Matthew's epiphany story of the wise men is often told as a story about a long journey. Or about the light of Christ leading and guiding us or about God's welcome to the Gentiles, to the whole world through Jesus, and our call to come and to worship him. No doubt all of those themes are found in our reading today. But as we shut the door on 2020 and open it to 2021, we don't want to miss that the Epiphany story is also a story about power in the contrast between the depraved, fearful, and evil power of King Herod and the power of Jesus. These are two very different kinds of kings. Herod sees threats everywhere, and he turns and reacts with brutality. But the power of God is the opposite. God bends low to be with us. The power of God is vulnerable and life-giving. It is servanthood and sacrifice. The power of God doesn't massacre and bring death. It brings life as it seeks and finds and opens. God's power is exercised in the power of love and second chances, returning home by another way and spreading the good news of Jesus Christ like an extravagant sower, sowing seeds of love and grace here and there and everywhere. As we reflect on the events of 2020, our world seems to be stuck on welding power more like Herod and far, far less like Jesus. Almost a year into a global pandemic, we have seen the powerful play politics with the lives of the vulnerable. Race relations and violence are are knotted in, in one big mess. We've been besieged by divisive politics and inept leadership, and we discovered that these things can kill us. And we have been reminded time and time again of the fragility of life and and really how little control over our lives we have. Yet we have also discovered the essential nature of community as we have been working from home and, and have missed the connectedness of gathering as Christ's body in person. And as we have struggled to connect via zoom and other technologies. In our lesson today, after an arduous journey, and a stopover in Jerusalem, the star leads the wise men to Jesus. But Jesus is no longer in a manger in a stable. He's in a house. And he's no longer a babe wrapped in bands of cloth, but he's about probably two years old. And Matthew tells us, when they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. And then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What is translated knelt down and paid him homage could be translated fell down or prostrated themselves and worshipped him. Kneeling before the Savior, the wise men, whether they were three or ten or thirty, offered Jesus gifts in worship. Whether one falls prostrate or kneels or raises hands and stands, the true essence of of worship is not the outward bowing down, but the bowing down of our inner selves. As we hopefully have discovered this pandemic, the place of worship is not nearly as important as the place of our hearts. True worship is a heartfelt response to God's greatness. It's the adoration of God and complete surrender from the heart. God cares so much more about what drives us to worship in and in our worship than the motions we go through to worship. To worship is to be moved to complete awe of God. And what brings us to our knees is our adoration of God. God's greatness, God's love, God's power, God's wisdom are so far greater than our own. We're naturally moved when to worship, to bow down to God and to worship in spirit and in truth. You know that worship is not confined to walls of a sanctuary. And worship does not start and end with a church service. Rather, it's a a lifelong bowing down of our hearts before Jesus, adoring him and surrendering ourselves to him. This posture of kneeling in worship, a a spiritual posture, not necessarily a, a physical one, leads the wise men to Bethlehem. But doesn't it also help them hear a warning from the Lord? Not to return to Herod. So they return to their homes by another road. In contrast, the refusal to fall in humility before the Lord leads Herod to scheming and to murder. Like the wise men, kneeling our hearts and our lives before the Savior, can also make us open more and more to the work of god in our lives i wonder have you made a resolution for 2021 yet if no would you consider adding two resolutions you know it's not too late and if you've already made some resolutions. Would you pray about adding to more? The two resolutions that I am thinking about are attributed to Jonathan Edwards, the 18th century American revivalist preacher and theologian. Edwards played a critical role in shaping the great awakening in America in the 1700s. Even as a similar movement was happening in England that was led by someone called John and someone called Charles Wesley and George Whitfield. Edwards, uh, Edwards two resolutions are are going to be on the screen. Resolution one is, I will live for God. And resolution two, if no one else, does i will might god be calling you to these resolutions for 2021 i will live for god and if no one else does i will the wise men resolved to do something like that when they decided to follow the star at its rising We know the star led them to Bethlehem. But when the wise men set out, they had no idea of the destination or for how long or for how far they would be traveling. Following the star was an act of faith. And God is calling you and me to that same kind of faith, to live by trusting in the power of God, in the power of God's love, and God's grace with us on this third day of 2021 we don't know what awaits us this year but like the wise men the light of God calls to us come and follow me and we know somewhere deep in our hearts that each one of us Yes, each one of us can answer that call because God is Emmanuel. God is with us. We can live for God even if no one else does. Because God is with us. In humility and reverence, we can kneel our lives and worship before our Savior. Assured that God and Jesus Christ is with us. With us in our messiness, but in our beauty, in our pain, our struggles, but yes, our joy. God is with us, side by side with us, and each of us with one another and others, in the name of Jesus. So let us resolve to kneel before the Savior and to live for God, even if no one else will.